This is the First and Big Ten Podcast with CNHI sports writers Kevin Brockway and Elton Hayes. It's time to talk college football. Welcome back to the First and Big Ten Podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, coming off a, another big week in Big Ten action, Melton, and I know that uh, you were in Iowa City to see Penn State uh, against Iowa, a matchup of ranked teams and a defensive struggle, and uh, Penn State found a way to come out on top. It did. You know, um, heading into this game, you know, Penn State entered at, at number 10 in the country, but a few people were out there skeptical about the strength of schedule so far. Uh, you know, they had won big, but they really hadn't played a um, – as uh, as one of the Penn State players said post game, a uh, worthy opponent. Uh, they got that test this weekend. Um, Kinnick Stadium is a difficult venue. Uh, it's interesting the uh, way the stadiums lo- are situated is the sidelines are only separated by a few feet um, from the from the uh, the crowd. So I've heard that opposing coaches tell uh, their players to keep their helmets on. But no, it was an amped up environment, uh, night game. And uh, Penn State did what it had to do. Um, it it um, really relied on a heavy dose of running, which was a bit different from the passing game that it's been really, um, I guess, turned, which it's really turned to this year. But they found a way to get a victory, and um, you know they jumped up to number seven in the rankings uh, after it. Yeah, you know, and, and Elton, you know, I, I wrote about this in the, the Big Ten Notebook this week, but uh, you know, both Michigan State and Iowa, two teams that are really struggling offensively, Iowa with just one touchdown over the last two weeks. Uh, what did you see from Nate Stanley's and Iowa's offense? Was it a case of Penn State's defense shutting them down? I, I know they gained a lot of yards in that game. They just couldn't punch the ball in the end zone. Yeah, no. Um, you know, Penn State's defense is really a kind of a bend-by-break unit. Uh, Nate Stanley passed for 286 yards. A couple receivers, you know, had over 60 yards on receiving that game. But, uh, you know, they got the pressure on him when needed. Uh, the defense uh, recorded two sacks. But uh, they just really kept them out of the end zone there until that fourth quarter when um, Iowa scored. It's like you said, it's first uh, offensive touchdown in eight quarters. But, uh, you know, the defense was very strong. Um, shut down ground game, which should be no surprise. Uh, you know, I think it's the, that run defense is eighth in the nation. But, uh, you know, just did a really good job of bend but don't break. Yeah, and you talked about getting the running game going as well for Penn State. And, yes. uh, you know, they're, they're going to need that balance going forward because uh, obviously they've got some big matchups, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, Michigan next week and, you know, down the road against Ohio State. They're going to need to show that they can run the ball as well as they can throw it. No, and, and that's what that was one of the questions that I had, you know, um, through the first five games was, you know, the offensive or the the, uh, the passing attack was clicking. You know, Clifford had five consecutive 200-yard passing games, but that run game was a bit, um, I guess, non-existent. They really, uh, you know, turned that around this week. Freshman uh, running back Noah Kane had 15 carries there in that fourth quarter for 67 yards. And uh, I think it was the first time all year that Penn State had more yards rushing than it did uh, yards passing. But, uh, you know, good. Good to see that that um, offensive line kind of come together and and the uh, freshman running back take charge and just kind of run that clock out there in the last fifteen minutes. Ellen, I know you were out there and you had to uh, talk, a chance to talk to some players following the game. What, what were some of their impressions? They were happy to get the win. You know, uh, they all knew that going into Iowa was going to be a, a daunting task. You know, uh, 
Penn State, you know, before the Maryland game um, and before Iowa at the practices that were allowed to um, attend that last 10 minutes of practice on Wednesdays, you know, they, they pump crowd noise in there at a very high level. And Franklin said they do this to kind of, you know, give the players an idea of what to expect. Um, they said they generally pump it up louder than, uh, than they expect it to be. But uh, I, I think that, that, um, that training and that scenario, you know, those um, situational scenarios really helped Penn State. You know, really proud of our guys. You know, went on the road, um, won in a tough place to play, uh, a place that's tough to win on the road. Um, you look over the last three, four years, the number of people that they've upset at home, night game in this place, the place was rocking. Um, so really proud of our guys. I thought the first quarter on offense – we, we looked like a young team. We, you know, we were, um, were making mistakes that we hadn't normally made, um, but then we, we, we calmed down after that point. And I was just proud of how our players and coaches managed the game. Uh, Sean Clifford, the quarterback, was a little hoarse after the game. And, uh, you know, he admitted that, uh, you know, it was a pretty uh, tough environment and he wasn't as crisp as he'd like to be that first quarter, but he kind of settled down and, uh, you know, it was 12 of 24 passing for 117 yards. Overall impression of the guys, they were happy to get out of there with the win and uh, be undefeated. And uh, so, Elton, you had a chance to talk about um, uh, the defensive performance for some players. What, what were some of their impressions? Uh, you know, they it was physical. It was very physical. Um, you know, the defensive unit, you know, um, came into that game with, I believe, 25 sacks. Uh, they, they, you know, had 10 sacks the week before against Purdue. They didn't match that production this week. But, uh, you know, that offensive line really did a good job with uh, containing Penn State's defensive line. But a couple of players had, um, you know, really good games. Defensive tackle Robert Windsor tied his career high of six tackles. P.J. Mustafer had a um, really momentum-shifting fumble, uh, you know, forced fumble there in the third quarter that set up a uh, Penn State field goal and kind of, you know, put the game in hand for him. Football, is, the, the momentum's always shifted, especially with a game like this and the team as good as Iowa. So, you know, when you make a play like that, everybody, everybody's hyped and we, and we get the ball down closer to our end zone for our offense. So, you know, that's what that's what I was more happy about is that I gave the offense a chance to put points on the board because we got a uh, turnover and backed up in their side of the field. All right, and meanwhile, uh, I was in Memorial Stadium for homecoming, Indiana against Rutgers, and uh, really this was uh, no contest from the beginning. Indiana uh, really dominant in a 35 to nothing uh, win over the uh, Scarlet Knights. They jumped to a, a 21 to nothing lead uh, within the first um, four, five minutes of the game, then, then kind of sputtered offensively a little bit, only led 21 nothing at the half, didn't score in the second quarter, but then came out, got the ground game going in the second half, uh, Stevie Scott, uh, you know, with a, a season high in yards, 164 yards on 12 carries, had some big runs to start the third quarter. So they were able to, you know, get the running game going and get some balance in their offense. Uh, another big day for uh, Wap Fillier as well, uh, 10 catches uh, for 182 yards. But really the defense set the tone early with, uh, you know, Demarcus Elliott uh, with uh, a, a hit of uh, Rutgers quarterback Johnny Langan. He fumbles, Requan Jones uh, recovers, and uh, – Here's what uh, linebacker uh, Cam Jones had to say about Indiana's dominant defensive effort. Uh, coach Allen, you know, he's a defensive coach. He emphasized mindset, mindset, focus, confidence, uh, effort, tackling, takeaways. And, you know, when you got a coach like that that's hard on you in practice 24-7, you know, you, they take it out on the game field. Uh. All right, Elton, uh, it was uh, six sacks for the Hoosiers, um, and they held 
Indiana to one yard, well, they held Rutgers, excuse me, to one yard passing. And uh, that's pretty hard to do. No, no, I saw that stat and I initially thought it was a typo. Uh, but, you know, this was part of the problem that Rutgers faced when it got rid of um, its, you know, Chris Ash a quarter way through the season. Um, just a lot of distractions. It's an embattled program. Uh, was it players decided to use a um, uh, self-imposed red shirt? But, uh, you know, I, I just I, I don't know where the program grows, goes from here. You know, we're halfway through the season and I, I, I just kind of find it difficult to see if they're going to pick up that second win of the year. Yeah, you know, Johnny Langdon is their third-string quarterback. Uh, you know, they're, they're without their top receiver, Rasheem Blackshear, who's on a red shirt. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, tried his hardest. Uh, but uh, th- there's just, uh, you know, with, with uh, Coach Nunzio Campanelli in there, there's just really, uh, you know, no uh, direction offensively and a really, really bad isn't. offensive line as well. And, and you factor that all in, and it's, it's just going to be a really, you know, long year for Rutgers until they find a new coach. No, it is. It is. Um, you know, Greg Schiano, if it's him, can't get there soon enough. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, you know, Alan, we're at the halfway point of the season. Um, so uh, I think this would be a good opportunity to kind of reflect, look back and look ahead and kind of give our midseason grades here, midseason uh, report card. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's start with, uh, you know, the best team that you've seen uh, through the first half of the season. I'm going to go ahead and say Wisconsin right now. Um, yeah, this defense is playing at a his, uh, the offense with Jonathan Taylor. You know, it's really done what it's supposed to do. Uh, I, you know, I've, they've been very impressive. You know, just you know, they've got a uh, interesting game with Ohio State coming up here, which will be conference defining. Um, you know, with the implications that it carries. But through us, through six games, you know, um, Wisconsin has really impressed me, and I just I. I just don't see any flaws in, in, in their game right now. Yeah, you know, with, I mean, the defense has been tremendous under Jim Letter, but I'm still going to go with Ohio State. I think they're a little more complete. Mm-hmm. The quarterback play with Justin Fields, I think, separates them a little bit. You know, Cone has been good, but he's not the dynamic quarterback that Fields is. Mm-hmm. They've got the running game with J.K. Dobbins to complement what Wisconsin has with Jonathan Taylor. And they've got the defense as well in terms of uh, getting after the quarterbacks and sacks. Maybe not, uh, you know, holding teams to as as low a yardage or shutouts that Wisconsin is, but still a pretty dynamic defense. So I'm going to give Ohio State the slight edge, but you know we'll find out on the field at the end of the month if I'm right or if you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's going to be the game of the year uh, so far in the Big Ten. But uh, you're right, one of those teams has to lose, and um, that you know that that game will carry conference and I think college football playoff implications. Okay, moving on. Who's been the best player in the first half of the season uh, in your mind, Elton? I'm going to go with Justin Fields, uh, the Ohio State quarterback. Uh, 1,289 yards passing and 18 touchdowns. He's thrown just one interception. He's also been effective on the ground, running for 283 yards and eight touchdowns. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, um, I guess, questions about the state of this Ohio, the uh, state of this Ohio State team with losing uh, Urban Meyer, losing Dwayne Haskins. Um, but, you know, Fields has really stepped in as a uh, first-year player up there and has done a really good job with just kind of, you know, maintaining that level of uh, consistency that the program's shown, you know, um, lately. And, you know, so he's going to get my uh, Player of the Year nomination. Yeah, of course, you know, Fields uh, coming from uh, Georgia uh, has definitely uh, surpassed uh, – 
uh, you know, uh, I think uh, expectations in terms of, uh, you know, there's really been no adjustment period for him. And uh, you look at Georgia losing to South Carolina last week, maybe they wish they had him back because uh, <laughs> Fromm really struggled in that game. But I'm going to still go with Jonathan Taylor. Um, okay. You know, he's on pace for another 2,000-yard season, uh, 129 uh, carries, 825 yards, 14 touchdowns already. And, uh, you know, he's getting some receiving touchdowns this year, too, which he didn't get last year. He's added yes. that to his repertoire. Uh, he's catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, he's really becoming an even more complete back. And mm-hmm. uh, But certainly, I think Taylor and Fields, I think that'll be another one that, uh, you know, will show on the field at the end of the month when Ohio State plays Wisconsin. I'm telling you, man, that game is going to be big. Uh, you know, there are a lot of a lot at stake for both teams. We're going to find out, you know, if Wisconsin, if, if this defense is the real deal. And for Ohio State, we're going to see if, you know, they finally slip up. So uh, definitely looking forward to that game. Yep. And now moving on to the best freshman, there have been a lot of good young players in this league. Alton, who do you see as uh, the top freshman of the group? I'm going to say Penn State running back Noah Kane right now. Um, you know, it's, I know some people probably scratched their head at that one. But, yeah, Penn State this year has really relied on a running back by committee approach. Uh, but Noah Kane has looked in the past several weeks, you know, at least, has looked like the most productive back out of that rotation. He uh, tallied his second 100-yard rushing game against, um, you know, last week against Iowa. And he just really, um, you know, added a, another dynamic to that Penn State offense and really enhanced the running game. So uh, he's really impressed me so far through uh, six games this season. I'm going to stay closer to home, Ellen. I'm going to say the Michael Penix, uh, quarterback from uh, Indiana. You know, he was banged up a little bit with the shoulder, missed a few games. But when he's been healthy, he's been very good. 91 for 100, uh, 91 completions and 131 attempts, 1,091 yards, nine touchdowns and three interceptions. He's been Big East Freshman of the Year twice, uh, and he's been very sharp. They've been three and one in his starts. He completed 20 in a row um, in a game against Michigan State that was his lone loss as a starter. But uh, he's proven to be, uh, I think, uh, a guy that uh, has, uh, you know, been able to handle the pressure so far. And, and he's a guy that can, I think, carry Indiana to a bowl game as long as they keep him healthy. Yeah, no, you know, we talked about him um, at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago and just about, you know, him adding another dynamic to that offense, being a dual threat guy and kind of, you know, taking that Indiana to the next level and making them bowl eligible. He's really... um He's done a good job, and I've been impressed by his performances so far. All right, Alton, biggest disappointment. What is uh, What team has let you down the most? I'm going to have to go with Michigan State. Uh, this is a team that entered the season uh, with, you know, a lot lofty expectations. After, uh, you know, they were supposed to have this great defense. Uh, they opened up with a 28-7 win over Tulsa. The defense held Tulsa to uh, – <laughs> Minus 73 yards rushing, but, uh, you know, they sit at four and three right now on the season. They're fourth in the Big Ten East. And, uh, you know, they're coming off a 38 to nothing loss to Wisconsin. I believe they, um, in the two losses, they've, they've lost in back to back weeks. You know, granted the schedule, they played number four Ohio State, number eight Wisconsin, but, you know, they've been outscored 72 to 10, um, during those last two weeks. Um, and I just don't see how it gets easier for them. They have Penn State next week. They've got Michigan still on the schedule. Um, but D'Antonio definitely has to be feeling a little bit of pressure right now with the way uh, the season has played out for his Spartans. Yeah, you know, he got a little testy after the game. I don't know if you saw that uh, after they got shut that, up by uh, yes. Wisconsin, yes. Uh, you know, about uh, him not making changes on his offensive staff or not hiring new people. He did mm-hmm. make changes, but he just kind of shuffled some guys around, demoted some guys, promoted some guys. But uh, the uh, the offense at Michigan State, which, uh, you know, 
I kind of thought that uh, they got a little better in the Indiana game, but uh, they've taken a step back again. They're another team just one touchdown in their last two games. I'm going to say Michigan, you know, because I think that the expectations were so high in the beginning of the season. They were picked preseason, you know, to, to win the Big Ten. And I don't see this as a Big Ten championship caliber team. You know, now, you know, they've rebounded a little bit. They did win at home against Iowa. Uh, just barely, you know, uh, they, yes. they didn't exactly, you know, the offense has still been up and down there in, in Ann Arbor. And uh, I think given the expectation, it wasn't like Jim Harbaugh hit from those expectations during Big Ten media day. He said, he hey, kind look, of yeah, them. yeah, I think, kind yeah, of I think we're them. the team to beat. Well, yeah. you know, you don't look like you've been the team to beat so far this year. No. Uh, you got trounced by Wisconsin. You've got Penn State coming up on the schedule. I don't see him winning that game. I don't see him beating Ohio State. I think they're just going to have another one of those three, four lost seasons, go to a bowl game down in Florida. But if you're Michigan and you're paying Harbaugh that money, shouldn't your expectations be higher? No, definitely. You know, I mean, Michigan was the, uh, the I guess, considered to win the Big Ten East this year. You know, people expected them to take advantage of uh, an Urban Meyerless Ohio State. And they've just been very inconsistent, you know. Even though I know they won last week against Illinois, but that first half, they, they just were, you know, a lot of mental mistakes. You know, the um, the offense has not looked good. They've had seventeen fumbles. I believe they've lost nine of them. But uh, you know, with that said, they come to Happy Valley this week. Um, uh, that could go a long way to kind of put Harbaugh back in the good graces uh, after that they've got Notre Dame but you know the schedule for Michigan this year uh, it's, it's heavy on the uh, the back end of it so you know first half which has kind of been the um, the the uh, the uh, less less challenging part of the schedule I'm just curious to see how they handle that back back more challenging end okay and uh, now looking ahead to the biggest game on the rest of the schedule and I think we've already given this away we've talked about it quite a bit <laughs> But to me, the biggest game will be coming up uh, uh, at the end of this month in Columbus when uh, Wisconsin faces Ohio State. No, I, I agree. That's the one right now that, um, you know, both of these teams could could enter this game undefeated. And, uh, you know, I know they're in different divisions, but, you know, this, this game does have college football playoff implications. And uh, it would just be interesting to see Justin Fields finally get out there against this vaunted uh, – and, you know, see Jonathan Taylor on the other end go against a really strong-looking Ohio State defense. But right now, that's the uh, game of the year, the game to watch in the Big Ten. Yeah, no, I, I think so as well. I mean, I just think that uh, it's going to be a, a great matchup. I'll be curious to see how Wisconsin's that, – that kind of Jim Leonard-Ryan Day matchup. Uh, you know, Jim Leonard's been so good as defensive coordinator this season. How does he deal – with, uh, you know, Ryan Day's offense, which has been prolific as well and, and has uh, really added some wrinkles uh, to kind of Urban Meyer's spread. Uh, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see if Wisconsin can shut Ohio State down. Definitely. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Let's throw one more out there. Uh, biggest surprise team to you? What team has kind of, you know, uh, shocked you or, or has, has exceeded expectations? I'm going to go with Minnesota. Uh, you know, an eight-game win streak. And if you will look at the way that schedule is set up, you know they're uh, they could they could be not or they could be undefeated when they meet um, Penn State here in a few weeks. But Minnesota is, really, um, I, I think they're playing at a high level. You know, they, the beginning of the season they kind of were slow to get out um, get out the gate, but the past couple of weeks in Big Ten plays, the offense has really emerged. The defense has done a good job. Um, so I'm going to go with PJ Fleck and uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers as my uh, biggest surprise team. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to agree with you there. You know, row the boat. You know, I'm behind it. And, and the, uh, you know, I, I saw them go into Purdue and I saw what they, they did in that game and really kind of, uh, you know, jumped on the Boilermakers, had really good balance, and the receivers are just uh, playing at a really high level. Tanner Morgan completing 21 to 22 passes in that game. They've got it really clicking. Um, you know, I do think defensively they have a few holes, and uh, that could be exposed later in the season. But offensively, uh, they're a team that can score with other teams, and uh, that's what you need in college football, uh, a team that can, uh, you know, put points on the board uh, early and often. Definitely. They're like you said, they're rolling the boat over there in Minnesota and uh you know they're I believe they're off to their best start. Yeah, no question. Yep. They can All be, right, they so can be eight, uh, no heading that's into it that for game. our first segment and coming up we will have our thumbs up and thumbs down. This is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania on the first and Big Ten podcast. Get the latest Big Ten, IU, Purdue, and Penn State football news by following the guys on Twitter. Kevin is at Kevin Brockway G1. And Elton is at EHDC12. Welcome back to the first Big Ten podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. Time for our thumbs up, thumbs down segment from the week. Uh, our look at uh, the good and the bad uh, from uh, Big Ten action over the weekend. Elton, and, uh, I'll start with you. What's your first thumbs up? I'm going to go give it to uh, Purdue receiver David Bell. Um, you know, a lot of the Purdue's, um, I guess, hopes took a hit when Rondell Moore went down with that injury. But David Bell has filled in admirably. Uh, had nine catches for 138 yards and two touchdowns last week against Maryland. Uh, his second 100-yard receiving game of the uh, season. You know, he torched Minnesota for 114 yards a few weeks ago. But uh, very impressive. Uh, and he played a big role in uh, Purdue's uh, blowout win over Maryland. So David Bell gets my first thumbs up of the week. Yeah, then I'm going to stay in West Lafayette. I'm going to go with Jack Plummer, uh, 33 of 41, 420 yards, three touchdowns, was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, it must have been the moon uniforms, right, uh, that <laughs> Purdue was wearing. Uh, the Neil Armstrong-inspired uniforms. Uh, they looked uh, – the young guys stepped up and looked great offensively. I mean, Plummer's a redshirt freshman making his third career start, but 80.5% completion percentage, that's the highest in Purdue history for a quarterback. Uh, that's saying that, a lot. That's yeah. a lot. A lot of good quarterbacks have come through West Lafayette. Yeah, 40 or more attempts. Uh, but still, I mean, that that's pretty tremendous. I mean, you're talking about Drew Brees. You're talking about mm-hmm. Jim Everett. Uh, you know, going back, Len Dawson, uh, Gary Danielson, uh, all, all these, uh, you know, great quarterbacks uh, in Purdue lore. Uh, so Jack Plummer gets my first thumbs up. Mm-hmm. My second thumbs up goes to Michigan running back Hassan Haskins. Uh, 12 carries for 125 yards and one touchdown. Average 10.4 yards per carry against Illinois. And I uh, just really had the breakout game that many people were expecting from him at some point this season. Uh, it was his first 100-yard um, effort of the uh, season. But uh, he did very well, played a big role in that win. So Hassan Haskins is going to get my uh, uh, second thumbs up of the week. My second thumbs up is going to go to Indiana receiver Wap Fillier. Uh, the junior, 10 catches, 182 yards, didn't score a touchdown, but uh, over his last two games, he's had 23 catches, uh, which is a school record. Very impressive. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, he's really blossomed into a, uh, uh, you know, a, a really, you know, big-time target for, uh, you know, Michael Penix, and they were talking, they were joking around. I guess they play 2K and Fortnite together, and uh, <laughs> when they play those video games together, they also, you know, talk about football and talk about uh, strategy and things that they're going to do, and they've developed a really nice connection on the field. So, 
Wap Fillier gets my second thumbs up. All right, my third thumbs up is going to go to Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson, who has, you know, really flown under the radar this year. Uh, you know, Minnesota's defeated, um, you know, number 20 in the country. But uh, Tyler Johnson hasn't really – his name really hasn't, you know, garnered much attention. But he had another great effort last week against Nebraska, five catches for 109 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but he, you know, averaged 21.8 yards a catch. That was his second 100-yard receiving effort of the season. And he's up to 559 receiving yards and five touchdowns this year. All right, yeah, my third thumbs up is going to go to uh, Shea Patterson, uh, Michigan quarterback. Uh, Illinois kind of rallied. They cut the lead, Michigan lead to 28-25, but uh, Patterson uh, came up pretty big with a uh, nine-yard uh, touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones and then added a one-yard touchdown run. So he finished the day 194 touchdowns and added that touchdown rushing. Uh, Michigan uh, really needed that win to uh, kind of uh, – keep their Big Ten Conference, uh, you know, title hopes alive. And uh, Shea Patterson delivered uh, for the uh, uh, for the Big Blue. Definitely. Uh, my first thumbs down is going to go to Michigan State. Uh, yeah, this is a team, you know, we kind of brought them up in the uh, midseason awards. But the defense was supposed to be this team's strong suit. Uh, the unit has underwhelmed, especially as of late. Uh, it's given up 72 points in the last two games. And, uh, you know, just really disappointing considering all the hype that the uh, defense unit really garnered this um, postseason and even the beginning of the season. So Michigan State's, um, more specifically, its defense is going to get my first thumbs down. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Rutgers passing game. One yard uh, passing against uh, Indiana. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, tremendously hard to do. And it, yeah. If you think about it, uh, Kane Womack, who's the defensive coordinator, he said he was talking to his dad, Dave Womack, and they actually measured out. It was five of 13 attempts. So for each attempt, it averaged out to about three inches per attempt. Um, <laughs> I don't know how, you know, like I said, you know, how you can go through a game with just one yard passing, but Rutgers did it. So that's my first thumbs down. You know, this is um, this is a, uh, a season of many first for Rutgers football. So just kind of following that trend. Um, uh, my second thumbs down is going to go to Maryland. Uh, Purdue beat Maryland 40 to 14 last week. Um, you know, this is a team that just really entered the season, you know, with some uh, uncertainty with Mike Loxley. They got off to a 2-0 start, you know, which included a win over a previously ranked 21 Syracuse. That seems like eons ago. Uh, Maryland has struggled. I think the Maryland that we're seeing now is more indicative of, of, of what we can expect from, you know, Mike Loxley. But uh, they just have not been impressive. Uh, they, I know they go to Indiana this week. Or uh, they play Indiana this week, um, and I'm not expecting them to win that game either. So my second thumbs down of the week is going to go to uh, Maryland. Yeah, certainly a chance for Indiana to uh, you know move a step closer to bowl eligibility if they can take care of business uh, against Maryland. Uh, my second uh, thumbs down is going to go to the Illinois run game. You know they really need a balance in that game to support the young quarterback uh, Matt Robinson. And uh, wasn't able to do do it in that game. 64 rushing yards. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. I know Michigan's defense is good, but Illinois really needed their running backs to step up, and they weren't able to. Yeah. My third thumbs down is going to go to the Nebraska Cornhuskers, another 4-3 and three team, um, which some people, you know, heading into the season really considered them as a, uh, a candidate to win the Big Ten West. Uh, they've underwhelmed. They've, you know, beat teams with, without any pulse, really, uh, Northern Illinois, South Alabama, and Illinois. But the teams that they've uh, faced that are, you know, formidable, they've just kind of, you know, been kind of 
thrashed by uh, Minnesota. Seven last week, Ohio State beat them forty-eight to seven a couple weeks ago, and uh, Nebraska is just you know kind of reeling. Scott Frost, the verdict's a little, still a little too early to, um, you know, call him a bust or say that you know he's not not the man for the job. But I'd be, I'd really be concerned right now if I was a Nebraska fan with the product that I'm seeing out there on the field each week. Yeah, you know, it might just take a little more time. You know, I, I know that Scott Frost talked a lot about during you know Big Ten Media Day. Talked a little bit about you know, just the physicality and uh, it not looking like those Nebraska teams in the 1990s and the 2000s in terms of, uh, you know, the big guys in the weight room. And I, I think that's probably where they're lacking right now is in the trenches yeah. more than anything. Uh, my third thumbs down is going to go to Iowa's offense. I know that, you know, Penn State's been a tough defensive team all, all year long, but, you know, they've really struggled the last two weeks uh, to find a way to get the ball in the end zone just uh, one touchdown in the last two weeks. Uh, they did move the ball, but you know, didn't really punch it in the red zone as well as they could have. So uh, I will go with Iowa as my final thumbs down. I was there, and I can attest to that. <laughs> you know, uh, kind of like the, the struggles that they had when they were at Michigan. You know, they got the ball within Michigan's 40 number of times, wasn't able to, uh, you know, score any touchdowns, and uh, same thing against Penn State. So, yeah, the Iowa offense, you know, while, it, you know, Nate Stanley passed for 286 yards against Penn State, they just weren't able to capitalize. So um, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you there. No question. So, okay, so we will move on to uh, our guest, uh, Jim Coyle from Indiana Sports Beat. For the first in Big Ten podcast, this is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. Don't go anywhere because it's time for Voices of the Gridiron. Here's today's special guest. Welcome back to the first of Big Ten podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Kevin with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, we're joined by uh, the first person that befriended me in Indiana. My first uh, night on uh, covering a, a basketball game at Assembly Hall came up to me, gave me his card. Uh, he does a terrific job uh, covering all things, all Indiana sports and sports throughout the Big Ten uh, for uh, WREF in uh, Evansville, uh, WBRO in Marengo, and on his uh, website, indianasportsbeat.com. Uh, Jim Coyle from uh, Indiana Sports Beat. And, Jim, uh, pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's awesome to be with you guys, man. Great to uh, talk to Elton again and uh, you as well, Kevin. Yeah, right. It's always good to talk to me. But, uh, you know, uh, Elton, we rather, uh, Jim, we watched uh, Indiana, a fairly dominant defensive performance, albeit against a Rutgers team that uh, really struggled offensively all season. But, you know, 35 to nothing, only giving up one passing yard. I'm curious – your thoughts on, on the defensive performance and how they take that into Maryland, because it seems like it's been every other week they've followed up a, a dominant defensive performance with, you know, maybe just kind of a so-so game. Yeah, that's the thing that uh, you've got to be careful of, especially going on the road. You're stepping up in, in competition. Uh, or you, there's no ways to go but up when you play after you play Rutgers. That's sad to say. But, uh, but Maryland as a team has been like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team this year. They started off a team that I thought was going to give some teams trouble in the Big Ten East, and all of a sudden they get into Big Ten play, and the wheels kind of fell off. And Indiana seems they've had some different games, but they, they seem to be getting more consistent. But I think that Indiana's defense is very young, and they're growing. They're growing through their youth. But, man, I, I'm kind of impressed with the job they've done, even though they are very young. They're not making a ton of mistakes, and they're they're getting things done. 
And, you know, we've discussed this, Jim, as far as, you know, I think the key to the season, obviously, to go bowling is to keep Michael Penix healthy. Uh, he's looked uh, really strong in, in you know, his uh, starts uh, that he's uh, that he's played all season. Uh, just your thoughts on his development and uh, kind of the key, his poise kind of going into this game, dealing with another road environment. Well, I'll tell you, keeping Michael Penix healthy is, is paramount to Indiana's success. And, and that's not really meant to be a slight to, to Peyton Ramsey. He, he does a good job when he comes in, but there's such a difference. He is such – his talent is so elevated that when he's in there, it's a marked difference, and this team is different. And as you can – as you've seen what he's done on the field, I mean, they put up some staggering numbers, the, the, the number of receivers that are catching passes. It's like you have no idea where the ball is going to go to when he's in there. Um, and he's got such a quick release. It, 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 Indiana's, even though they have a very young offensive line, I think they lead the Big Ten in uh, least sacks allowed this season. So he's getting protection from a, a, a line that's had to be patched back together. They lost Corey Crunk. Um, they lost Hunter Littlejohn for a little bit, but he's he's going to be fine. But they, they don't have a lot of experience there, and but yet they're doing the job. But, yeah, his growth has been remarkable. His poise... Uh, his abilities are obviously shining through. He goes up to East Lansing, a, a tough road environment in front of 70,000 people, and he engineers. He, he put Indiana in a position to win the game, at least. So, yeah, his growth has been uh, nothing more short of, of, of pleasing for the Indiana coaching staff, without a doubt, and the Indiana fan base, as, as Indiana is in a position to not only be so eligible before they get out of October, but to, to possibly go to a pretty decent bowl game this year. Hey, Jim, good to catch up with you again. Well, man. Yeah, man. But look, uh, you know, the, the big matchup this week is the big business. You can possibly the wide out. You have two top 25 programs, prime time, you know, 730 p.m. college game day game. Um, and look at this matchup, you know, Penn State's rushing defense is allowing 53.8 yards per game, which is second in the Big Ten and third in the country. Uh, Michigan's offensive line is one of the strengths. Last week, Michigan running back Hassan Haskins was spot. Uh, he ran for 125 yards and a touchdown. Uh, with Shane Patterson's inconsistency, inconsistency to season, what's Michigan's offensive line and uh, running game more specifically going to have to do to be uh, successful against Penn State's rush defense? Yeah, Penn State is one of those teams that I've been – this is a game I'm waiting for, and I think a lot of people are waiting for, because we know they're good – and we're, but we're trying to decide, are they Ohio State like good? Where are they? Because they've, they've done some serious winning, and they've done it in a dominating fashion. Uh, and they do it in typical Penn State style. Solid play in the trenches and, and just solid play going backwards, whether it's in the offensive backfield or defensively. They, they've done such a remarkable job. Iowa, man, a team, an enigma, they, they lose. Michigan just completely shuts them down. I think that they're going to be one of those teams that that, that fights for a title on that Western side division, but not sure really how good they are. So this is actually a great litmus test game, and this will say, all right, who's where? Where where is Iowa really? Where's Penn State? Um, because they're they're up there in that that, that conversation of, of potential being able to knock off an Ohio State. They're one of the few teams that that we've seen play that may be able to play with them this year. 
that's what's going to be the next question for you. With the uh, Big Ten East right now, it's looking like Ohio State's leading the pack. You've got Penn State, and uh, you know, Michigan could do a lot. So you've got to play itself back in the convention with a strong selling. But uh, this is comparing Penn State and Ohio State. Do you realistically think uh, Penn State has a chance to uh, contend for the crown? I know they meet in uh, late November. And, um, you know, what's Penn State going to have to show you to uh, let convince you that, you know, they are uh, a serious contender for the uh, Big Ten East? Well, I think this weekend, like I said, is a, is a good litmus test. We're going to see how good is Penn State. But yes, to answer your question, they have absolutely because they're too well coached. They have too much talent to not be to have a shot. And especially in college sports, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. But Penn State's not just anybody. So that's a, a couple of titans that will be going each other. Where I don't know where that game's being played, but it definitely makes a difference, especially if it's in Happy Valley. Uh, I think it's going to, be, going to be one of the highlight games of the season, especially in the Big Ten. Okay. All right, Tim, you know, uh, special teams, we saw them uh, a little bit shaky against Michigan State and play a role, unfortunately, in that loss a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how big is it going to be this week, particularly dealing with uh, Javon Leak as a pretty dynamic return guy for Maryland? Yeah, they've got to get their, their stuff in order. Indiana, talking about Indiana special teams, they have been shaky all season. They're lucky it has not cost them a game. But they haven't been in a game other than, say, Michigan State that was right there, that was close. Um and, and then you could actually say that it kind of did cost him there. Well, Fillier made a – he caught a punt at the five right before the half and they shouldn't have caught. And there's been some other miscues uh, on that side of it. Tackling-wise, they've got to make sure they get the guys down. And I, but I think that adding somebody like Reese Taylor to those teams that Indiana's been able to get back is going to make a big difference for them. And that will help them solidify these things as they go forward. Jim, do you think this is a bowl team? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Are they going to are they going to get to six this year? I don't think that's a question. It's not a question in my mind. It's what bowl are they going to get to? I think that they legitimately can be bowl eligible before Indiana gets out of October, which is a rarity for this program. It is a rarity, but the schedule set up. I think that they are. They should win their next three games. They just beat Rutgers. They have a stretch of four Big Ten games. They have not won four straight Big Ten games since 1993, uh, a good season for Indiana, but that's a long time ago. That shows you how that doesn't happen very often. But I think that they should beat Maryland. I think they're the better team. They come back and they have to go on the road to Nebraska, and that's a tough ask. But I think this team has it in them. Now, whether they get that done or not, I'm not sure. But then they come back home to Northwestern. Even if they go 3-1, and one, they're bowl eligible. And then you still have three games left to play. I, I think it's just a, a matter of what bowls Indiana going to end up in. I think they can actually get themselves into a pretty decent bowl if they simply take care of business. Yeah, you know, harkening back to the Bill Mallory era, right, in the uh, early uh, 1990s. And, of course, you know, their their last bowl win was 1991 in the Copper Bowl, and that's uh, a, a goal that Tom Allen has set this this season, not just to uh, get to a bowl, but to win a bowl. Absolutely. It's, getting to a bowl is nice, but you also have to put them on the win, in the win column uh, to continue that excitement from getting to a bowl. Otherwise, it's just another game. But I, I think this team is different. I, I think that history has nothing to do with this team because these kids, the, the kids that are the strength of this program right now, they're youthful and they're not even from around here. So they don't know the history. They don't care about the history. Taiwan Mullins or uh, Michael Penix, those guys, they don't care. They don't care about 1991 or 93 or 
or, or whatever. So I, I think that this is a different mindset, and we've seen that they have these abilities. If they can just keep their heads on defensively, they're going to win some games that, that people may not expect them to win. Yeah, you know, and Tom Allen doing a really good job with the Southeast recruiting times. You know, a ton of kids from the state of Florida, kids from Tennessee, kids from Mississippi, Wap Fillier from, uh, you know, uh, Florida, from Tampa, kids from Georgia, really all contributing in a really kind of uh, young, strong uh, roster uh, that they're trying to build there. Yeah, you did a piece a while back, and if you looked at all the teams, all 14 teams in the Big Ten, Indiana's probably not the team you're going to think that has the most kids from Florida on it, uh, but yet they do by far. Uh, and we all know that there is such a ton of talent that comes out of that state that makes a difference. That means you're probably going to be faster. You're going to be just better. When you got that many kids from such a, a football-producing talent state, you're going to be better, and they're getting better. Their talent upgrade has been amazing. Uh, I tell you what's amazing to me is he's done it on back-to-back five and seven seasons. So can you imagine if they do have a successful season, that's only going to convince these kids that he has brought in that, well, he this is he's right. This is exactly what he says is going to happen. And so those other kids that they're bringing in is going to make it much easier. So it will continue to make it easier for Tom Allen to bring even more talent in to that program. Well, certainly we'll see how it plays out the next few weeks. Uh, certainly an opportunity to move towards bowl eligibility. Jim, uh, it's a pleasure as always to have you on. And it's a great to be with you guys. Absolutely, man. I look forward to doing it again. Look forward to seeing you, Elton, in the the near future. Of course, I'm sure I'll see you uh, soon as well, Kevin. Likewise. Absolutely. So for the uh, First and Big Ten podcast, this is uh, Kevin Brockway. Coming up next, our predictions for the week. Stay tuned. Want to see more from Kevin and Elton? Subscribe to a CNHI newspaper near you. Welcome back to the First and Big Ten Podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. It's prediction time, Elton. This is our favorite part uh, of the week. I know, right? Looking ahead to the games. And uh, we got one on Friday night, a little Donnie Brook under the uh, lights in uh, Evansville and uh, Ohio State. I guess Northwestern, you know, Ohio State's a 28-point favorite. They're coming off a bye week. I don't see uh, any way that uh, Ohio State's going to lose this game. No, you know, I mean, without the bye week, this game would have been a blowout. But uh, these Ohio State guys on a week of rest against a Northwestern team that has just won one game um, is a recipe for disaster. I think Ohio State wins with ease. You know, Northwestern came into the season with a little bit bigger expectations, but the quarterback position has really let him down. Hunter Johnson five-star everyone thought that he was going to come in and really elevate the offense and that has not happened yeah it's a surprise this is the team that won the big 10 west just a year ago and you know if you would have told me that they'd be sitting at one and four in the season right now I wouldn't have believed you but uh here we are okay number six wisconsin at illinois another game where uh you know the uh, home team is a heavy underdog 31 points uh wisconsin again uh, i think this is a game that wisconsin pulls away and wins fairly easily yeah, that that Wisconsin defense may pick up its uh, its next shutout. You know, it's, um, Illinois is a team right now that has got a lot going on. Uh, we saw what Nebraska or we saw what Michigan did to it last week. Wisconsin's playing at a high level right now, sixth in the country. Uh, impeccable defense, a great offense. Um, I think Illinois loses a a big one at home. Okay, moving on. Purdue at number twenty three. Iowa, Iowa, an eighteen point favorite at home, and uh, the Hawkeyes. Uh, you know, uh, the offense has been reeling. Interesting stat, you know, Purdue coach Jeff Brown, 2-0 and 
against Kirk Ferentz, uh, which wow. is uh, kind of surprising. Um, for some reason, uh, Brahm has, has matched up pretty well against him. But, uh, you know, Iowa being at home, I think coming off those two losses, there'll be a sense of urgency. Purdue is still a little too beat up. It might be closer than 18 points, but I think uh, Iowa's going to find a way to win this game. Dude, I'm going uh, to disagree with you here, Kevin. Um, I just I don't have faith in this Iowa offense right now. Uh, I know per, uh, Purdue just kind of seems to be finding its stride with a lot of the new guys who are playing in relief of the uh, injured starters. I'm going to say Purdue um, snags the upset here at uh, Kinnick Stadium and, and beats Iowa. Yeah, you know, Purdue is starting to figure some things out, even defensively. Cody Trice at the cornerback position, you know, he had a pick six on that game last week. And George Karlaftis, the pass rush, has been really good all season. So Purdue is starting to figure some things out. I just don't know if, you know, they have the uh, necessarily the depth to go in there and, and win that Big Ten game on the road. But we'll see. You know, it's uh, throwing yourself out there, Alton. I like that. So. <laughs> Number 20, Minnesota at Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers, a, a, another game where the home team is a big-time underdog, 28.5 points, but justly deserved. Uh, I don't see how, uh, you know, Minnesota doesn't have the greatest defense, but after watching that Rutgers offense, I don't see how they're going to score many points anyway. Yeah, this one can get ugly uh, quickly. Uh, Minnesota's playing great right now, especially in Big Ten play. I think Tanner Morgan, Tyler Johnson are going to exploit this Rutgers and, um, you know, put up another 40-point effort. No question. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a long season in uh, Piscataway until uh, they, you know, they find a way to get Greg Schiano or someone to come back and uh, revive that program. Indiana against Maryland. This is an interesting game. Uh, Indiana is actually a three and a half point favorite on the road coming off the 35 nothing win over Rutgers. And here's what Indiana receiver Nick Westbrook had to say about uh, the Hoosiers uh, heading on the road to face the Terrapins. Yeah, I mean, biggest thing is just taking care of our body. You know, a lot of traveling going on, but at the end of the day, we're still playing football. It's just a different, different field, and you know, just get the same amount of juice that we'd have, you know, for a home game, and just have that same mentality of how we're gonna, you know, come out and play and prepare. All right, so uh, I think this is a huge game for Indiana's season in terms of uh, eligibility. Uh, they can't afford to let down. Maryland does have a lot of speed on the field. Maryland is coming off that rough loss against uh, Purdue, and, you know, you still don't know who's going to uh, play at quarterback, if it's going to be Pigrom or Josh Jackson. I'm going to say that Indiana's going to find a way to win this game. I agree with you there. Um, I, I just Maryland's a program in disarray. Uh, they just can't seem to figure it out as of late. Um, like you said, Michael Penix has really enhanced that uh, Indiana offense. I think Indiana gets its fifth one of the uh, fifth one of the season and is one win away from Boyle eligibility. And that leads us to the big game of the weekend: number sixteen Michigan at number seven Penn State. If Michigan really wants to win a Big Ten title, it has to start now. Uh, I think a, a second loss in the conference would be cri- crippling to their you know championship hopes. Penn State at home; they're a nine point favorite. Elton. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, obviously uh, you, you watch Penn State go on the road and pull off an impressive, uh, really good defensive performance and win against Iowa. Uh, I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions here. I think the home crowd is going to play a big factor. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh's what, one in six on the road against AP uh, top 25 teams, and he's has not led a Michigan team to a win um, on road as an underdog. Uh, I think Penn State's offense is just too explosive. That defense is playing at a high level right now. Uh, it'll be closer than people expect, but I think Franklin ultimately. Yeah, uh, then you're going to be there. Harbaugh. Another big time game. Uh, it should be. Uh, it it should be a lot yes, of fun. Yes, I will. Uh, what, what do they serve in the press box at Penn State? 
Uh, you know, they, they vary in it. They, um, they, they, they've got various cuisines. Uh, we've had brisket in there. We've had chicken. They're, they're kind of, I guess, going for the southern theme. Well, you know, they're hoping, I guess, uh, you know, they'll uh, serve up a win for their fans there for Penn State. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a great matchup and a fun matchup to watch. So we're through with another week of Big Ten football action. Uh, and uh, really looking forward to a, to a big uh, week eight out. No, I am. There's, you know, this is uh, we're, we've reached the uh, halfway point of the season. The contenders have really stood out, and some teams have kind of been exposed for being frauds. But uh, it's going to be a fun finish. Yeah, three teams ranked in the top ten too, and uh, you know, maybe this will be the year that uh, either Ohio State or Wisconsin or even Penn State will sneak into the college football playoff too. The Big Ten has four teams in the AP Top 25. That's more than any other um, conference in the country right now. You've got Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State leading the charge. And uh, this is the best year that, or the best chance they have of snapping that, um, that uh, streak of being excluded from the college football playoffs. I agree, Elton. I think it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch the second half of the season and to see how it unfolds. So for the first in Big Ten podcast, this is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania signing off. Thanks for listening to your number one source for college football and Big Ten news, the first and Big Ten podcast. Enjoy the games.